Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, thanks to Chris. So Chris has done his homework. Um, he already prayed something that I'm going to tell you to pray later. So if you're paying attention, you will, you'll know what we're going to pray later. Um, and, and also he's done my introduction uh, and given you a bit of a background on Colossians. We're starting a, a series on Colossians at King's, so I thought, um, I thought I'd open it up with you as well. Um, but I tell you what, can I pray um, before we, we start? Lord, have mercy on us. Speak to us, Lord, and give us ears to hear, eyes to see. In fact, I really pray that today, that you would give us ears to hear, myself included, but also eyes to see, to see you and to know you more fully and to grasp what it is to be your people, to know you as saviour, that we would learn to live lives that are honouring to you, that are worthy of you, that... Uh, lives that are what it is to, to live a saved life, to live a, a transformed life through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I pray, come with your spirit and through the words I say, but also the words, more importantly, that people hear, let your spirit minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... <clears throat> Colossians, if you, want, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Colossians uh, chapter 1, that's where I'll be reading from in a second. And while you're turning there, I'll just remind you of some of the things that Chris just said. But In fact, uh, so this book of Colossians was written to a place by Paul to a, to a church in a place called Colossae, I think. Now, I don't know if we're saying that right. We're, we're English. And I'm guessing it sounds a bit odd to us, but if you went to modern-day Turkey, which is where this place was, and you said, I come from Adelston, they'd probably go... Adelaide, and they would probably say it differently as well. So we're all in the same boat, okay? And um, yeah, there was this guy called Epaphras, and he took the gospel there. And I guess, I love those scriptures there. We introduce us to all these different names. It's part of what I'm going to talk about today. But equally, we struggle over, I mean, I don't know many Epaphrases, do you? No. Do you know you go on a Christian camp sometimes, and, and, and the, pretty much all the kids are either called Luke or... Matthew or whatever, and then all the, nearly all the girls are called Esther or Ruth because there's not so many girls' names. But um, not many epiphrases have been handed down to us in the church. But there you go. There we go. Uh, so we're going to read this um, from starting at the beginning of chapter one of Colossians, uh, which says this: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. 
We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So, our scripture is full of different genres of writing. Um, There's a wide variety of different... I'm not going to go through all that now, but this is a letter. And this is a letter written by Paul. And if you've read, read anything by Paul, you will know that he just has sentences that go on and on and on. And when, if, if someone says, would you like to read something from Colossians, you're thinking, okay, yeah, that, that shouldn't be too bad. And you read and you start reading, you say, where am I going to breathe? He just has just so much that he wants to write and keep going and keep going and keep going. So there's a lot in what he says, always. Um, but I'm just going to pick out some of these, a few things from the beginning of this letter. Um, because it's a letter. And, and usually, uh, if I was to write to Jackie, and in fact, we often email each other, it'd be, hi, Jackie, or dear Jackie, blah, 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 uh, blessings, Richard, or lots of love, Richard, or whatever, and she would maybe write back in a similar kind of way. But the letters here, uh, this is a slightly different letter, because Paul starts off by telling um, uh, the Colossian church who he is. So it'd be like me saying, not dear Jackie, but look, this is Richard talking. <laughs> Hello, this is Richard talking. You remember me. And, and also I send greetings from the King's Church. And then I might say something. And then I might say uh, something about Jackie at the end. And it's just sometimes the wrong way around for us. But that's how letters are. But this is more than just a letter between one person and one person, like me and Jackie. Or This is actually a letter between Paul and Timothy to the whole of the church in Colossae. And then if you read the last chapter, I'm giving you a spoiler alert now, if you want to get to the end, you'll notice there's loads of people mentioned there. So-and-so sends their greeting. So-and-so sends their greeting. This person encourages you. Don't forget this person. And then I want to encourage this person. And so there's, this, there's just lots of people involved. Maybe it's an open, we would call it an open letter nowadays. Uh, or a leak from the Conservative Party or something. But anyway, these things happen. Um, so this is a letter from Paul, as I say, and Timothy, and to the holy people in Colossae, the, um, the saints, some translations have, which is, we, we now call that the church. We are saints as God's people. That may, well, I won't go into that now, but that may be of a shock to some of you, but that, that is. The brothers and sisters, we call that church now, but they, in those days, I don't think they had a word for it yet. So they, they just called them each other the holy people or the saints. Um, and why am I telling you this? Why am, I telling, why am I bothering to, to go into this kind of detail? A, because preachers like to go into all these kind of details and gives you something to say on a Sunday morning. But more importantly, I think, what this is telling us is that our faith has always been, from the very beginning, uh, what I would call a peopled faith. People are involved. It starts with the person, Jesus Christ, the foundation, the chief cornerstone of our faith. And on him 
are many, many, many named individuals living and breathing in a community of faith, living in the, the house of faith, the, the living temple, the family of faith, whatever you want to call it. These were real people. And if you were alive when this was written, you would, oh, Epaphras, yeah, I met him the other day down the market or whatever. And, or, yeah, and all these people are real people, real people. And, and it's important to grasp that because our faith isn't just a set of abstract ideas that were written down on a piece of paper. Like we write, we read this on a piece of paper now, and we can maybe pull these things out from the library. And, but it, that's not how it started, in a way. These, the, the, uh, the ideas of our faith weren't just abstract ideas that we somebody some dreamt up somehow, but they were ideas that were lived out in people's lives. Our faith doesn't come from a disconnected figurehead. You know, we, we know that Jesus was a real person born of the virgin mary lived in a community lived amongst the disciples he didn't, in fact he didn't even sort of then go off and just do his own thing he he deliberately gathered i mean why <laughs> he deliberately gathered 12 disciples to be there a right pain well if you ever lived in a community with i mean if you ever live in a house with other people you know it's not easy you know so why did he do that because it's important that we understand that this is this is working amongst people all the time a peopled faith. Our faith comes from Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, not a mysterious, ethereal character. He had a name. He has a name. He was born. He lived. He died. He was buried. And he rose again. And his followers, they all have names as well. We know some of them, Peter, James, John, you know, that lot. But also we now learn some, if we dig in a little bit deeper, we find out about this guy called Epaphras and Tychus and Aristarchus. You know, you really don't want to get that reading when you, when you have all these names. There's other ones, Ignatius. I've been reading the epistle of Ignatius. Ignatius, St. Ignatius of Antioch was the, the disciple of John. So he, he was like one generation of... But he had a name. He was a real person. And if you go on, you can actually trace this back. Many, many real people sharing their faith who live real lives. Real people. So our faith has always been a communal people's thing and we are indebted are we not to the faithful followers from many generations who have shared the gospel and passed on the living faith of christ and i want to just give thanks for these these first christians because these, it was not easy for these christians uh, they lived a very um well they lived under persecution uh, they were, they were going completely against, the, not just against the religion of the time, but against culturally everything that Jesus taught was really, there was a complete revolution in their thinking. And so they lived for fear of their lives. But I give thanks for them because if they hadn't, well, they did. Let's not worry about what if they hadn't, but they did. And as a result, the faith was passed on to more and more people. Um, and Jackie mentioned, actually, you, you said at the beginning, you said we give thanks that we can come in here freely. I just want to just share with you, just a complete aside, I hadn't meant to say this today, but I just want to encourage you that we, we have some really good friends who uh, are connected with the church in Iran. And if you know Iran, Iran is a, a very oppressive, um, has a very oppressive regime. And to become a Christian is effectively to end your life in the sense that you're, you'll be disowned, if not persecuted and put in prison and and so they have underground churches there. The church in Iran now 
is the fastest growing church in the world, or one of, at least one of them. You know, what's we kind of know what's going on in China, but it's kind of comparable to that. But it's just bonkers what's happening. Um, and if, if you're interested, uh, just complete aside, sorry, but I'm just, because this is real people, this is happening with real people, that the gospel of Jesus is touching people's lives. Lives are being transformed, and it's happening here today as well. But if there's a, a podcast called Jesus Speaks Farsi, F-A-R-S-I, that's the language in Turkey. If you're interested to hear some just bonkers stories of what, God has done through persecution. Uh, despite persecution, check that out. Um, why am I telling you that? Because these Christians stood in the face of opposition and carried on their faith, and then they passed on their faith. So I want to give thanks for them. And that's what Paul does. If you notice, he says, We thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. When we start to think about other people's faith Thanks rises up. The living faith of others is the catalyst for our faith. In fact, we're here. Part of the reason why we're here this morning is because I know, I mean, I've just had a lovely conversation with John. His, what he's just shared and, and his, what he's talking about faith and how God's working here encourages me. It's good. Sometimes we have a week and it's just a bit like, Good, what's God doing? And then we come amongst other people of faith and it stirs us up, right? That's why we're here. That's one of the reasons why we're here. Yeah? It encourages us. It challenges us. You know, you, you sometimes you're around people of faith and think, oh my goodness, that is challenging. It strengthens us. It comforts us. It sustains us to be around people of faith. It refreshes us. It teaches us. Not just from the front, but from one another. We teach other, one another faith because we share faith. It changes us. It forms us. And it's most likely that we're all here because of the faith of someone else. It's very unusual that someone just picks up a Bible having not had any connection with anybody else in faith and kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'll do that. I'll follow Jesus. It does happen. In fact, one of the bonkers stories from Iran, I can tell you, is there was a... a, a <laughs> this is the wrong example because it completely doesn't connect with what I'm saying, but I'm going to tell you anyway because this is how God works sometimes. There's a guy who's training to be a, a mullah, I think it is. It's the, like, he's training to be a a bishop in the Iranian, uh, in the uh, Islamic faith. So he's in this library where there is just full of Islamic literature. And bearing in mind, just even smuggle Bibles into Iran is just super dangerous. Um, our friends have translated the, the scriptures into Farsi. Um, and uh, they've, they've distributed two and a half million copies of the gospel um, in the last 20 years. Um, anyway, he's in this library studying to be a mullah, in the library, he finds a New Testament <laughs> in his language, pulls it off the shelf, reads it, encounters Christ, becomes a Christian, ditches all the Mullah stuff, and, and, and is now a leader in the church. But that's unusual. Usually, somebody shares their faith, and then somebody else gains, then we receive faith. So, I, I mean, I'm guessing that's why we're all here because somebody shared their faith with, I mean, I can tell you who it was that shared their faith with me. Um, and most likely, as I've already said, our faith is sustained because then we're around other people of faith and, and it starts to be contagious. So this beginning of the letter is a thankful praise report of the faithfulness of the gospel and how it's moving amongst the world. And Paul gives thanks for the faith and the love of these people that he's writing to. He's never met them, as Chris said, but he, he's heard the report and he's giving thanks. Yes, thanks be to God that the gospel is continuing to bear fruit. And he says as a result that, because I've heard of your faith, I don't stop praying for you. 
Imagine that. Imagine having the Apostle Paul not stopping to pray for you. And I, I've experienced that. And there's, there's a, a lovely family who used to be in our church. They had to move away. Uh, they moved to Milton Keynes. And they know some of the, the, the struggles that we've been through in our family with, um, with Gabriella, and some of you know that. And, and there was, they just sent me a message once, and it was just, I don't know, it was a tough time. And, and uh, so I always get emotional when I think about it. But um, he said, Pastor, I want you to know that even if you don't have time or, or the ability to pray every day, know that you are always prayed for every day by us as a family. That just, it still blows me away. That somebody will be praying for me every day, uh, knowing that we have a well, we have a ministry at the church, and we have difficulties at home sometimes. Um, to have somebody pray for so imagine, and that's just that's just a random family he used to be. This is the Apostle Paul. He doesn't stop to pray for these guys. He's not ceasing stopping to to pray for them. Amazing. And so, what does he pray? And I think it's a really good idea to look at the scriptures and see how other people pray so that we can learn how to pray ourselves. And this is what Chris had picked up. I don't know if he did this subconsciously or whether he did it deliberately, but either way, it happened. Um, This is how he prays. He prays that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He doesn't pray that they'll manage to sort of get the shopping done or find a parking space. His first thing is, I pray that you would know, be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That you would know how to live pleasing lives, lives worthy of him. That you would know how to bear fruit in every good work. That you would know how to, they, they would grow in the knowledge of God. And they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. I don't know about you, you ever stuck for, to know how to pray for someone? You know, you must pray for, must pray for Richard. I'm sure you all think that, must pray for Richard. Every time he goes, must pray for him. Um, well, if you don't know how to pray, then pray like Paul. Now, you don't have to necessarily learn these words word for word, but just get the essence of it. A lot of what he's saying, just know God. That's a good prayer. I, I pray that, John, you just know God. That, that's a great prayer. You know, I pray, Chris, that you, you, you can live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Wow, that's a powerful prayer. Yeah. I pray, Alison, you'll be strengthened in, in, all, 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 in all of his power and his glorious might. That'll do. That's prayer enough. Yeah. Let's learn to pray like Paul. Learn the essence of his prayers. He's thankful for these Colossian Christians, but he realizes it doesn't end in that. He realizes that they're the beginning of their faith or their faith is not the end of the matter because he knows, probably through personal experience, that there's always more that they can know of God. There's always more that they can grow in God. There's always more of the, his power and his glorious might that they can, they can experience. So he prays for them. He doesn't just look, oh, good, there's a church in Colossae now. Good, move on to the next town. No, let's just see the power of God working in their lives. And, and as that happens, he knows that the gospel will this because that, that faith there in them will then continue to grow because they'll start sharing their faith. He's thankful for their faith, but he knows there's so much more. And so he contends for them in prayer. And so, in fact, if you, again, if you read the last chapter, spoiler alert, this guy Epaphras, he says, he wrestles for you in prayer. What a great way to put it. Wrestles for them. So, 
I think as we read the opening of Colossians, it's an invitation to two things. I think it's an invitation, first of all, to give thanks for the faith of the saints around you, for the faith of the saints who've been with you on the journey or maybe even started the journey with you um, back in the day. And giving, having given thanks for them, it's an invitation to join in continuing to pray for them. We exist here, really, because we, 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 we share with faith and we pray for one another. So I'd like us, if we have, I'm sure we have time. Is there a clock here? Goodness. This, preachers need a clock right there, otherwise we're going on for hours. Um, yeah, okay. Got a little bit of time. Um, can we just take a moment? And I love it, the, the way we're set up, because it's perfectly set up for this. And just with one another, let us take a moment to do what Paul does and give thanks. Can you name one person that you'd just like to give thanks for their faith uh, that has encouraged you? Maybe the person who shared their faith right in the beginning with you. Um, somebody maybe who prayed, you know prayed for you. Um, it's funny. My wife, we did this last week at King's, and I often say to my wife, tell me something I don't know. It, you know, I used to say it's a lot when we were first married. And eventually after a while she was like, oh, stop it. I just, you know everything now. And then but just last week she started sharing of some lady who used to pray for her and I never even knew about. So it was a good exercise. So you, even if you think you know the person next to you, if you've grown up, <laughs> this is my mum or something, you can still ask that question. Tell me something I don't know. It's a good question. Um, share somebody who is uh, to give thanks for in faith. And then let's just take a moment to pray. Oh, what am I going to pray? It's written out for you. Just, you don't even have to pray all of it. Just pray one bit of it. If they're not alive anymore, maybe you can still give thanks for them, but maybe then pray for, for the, the, the folk around us, that some, some of these things that Paul prays. So can we take a couple of minutes to do that? Let's do that. Go. Just, oh, sorry. Don't interrupt too much, but I've got, I've got to go off. But I just want to, one final thing on this, actually, which just happened here, I think. <laughs> I think, actually, sometimes it's, good for the person if possible if they're still alive or you're still in contact with them or maybe even you might want to go and find them now after today if you've mentioned somebody in faith who's actually been encouraged you or inspired you maybe just let them know because sometimes i mean actually uh it's it's good someone sort of like to call you up out of the blue and say thank you for your faith 20 years ago and what you shared with me blah 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 blah, blah. I go, oh, if that's me, sometimes I have down days as a leader and you just think, you know, I just need to remember that I did actually have a, a good impact on this one person, you know. Um, and, and some of you, I, I'm very encouraged, you're very encouraging to me. Uh, I know there's a number of you that encourage me in that way. But there may be other people that you've mentioned today, you might think, actually, I'm just going to give so-and-so a drop them an email or send them a call and say thank you for sharing your faith or encourage me in faith. Don't forget to pray for them. I'll leave you now. God bless you.